Welcome, friends, to Radio Free Muncie, broadcasting from the back of a van somewhere in the Muncie greater metropolitan area, and your source for reviews and discussion of the Knights of the Dinner Table comic created by Jolly Blackburn, published by Kenzer & Company. So jump onto your Vespa, ride down to the games pit, crack open your dice bag, and grab a character sheet. It's game on. So, Dungeon Master for a day. I can relate to this one a lot. Like, people who don't DM a lot offer to take over. It's like, it's cool, you know, but... Yeah. You want to lead us into this one, Wes? Yeah, so... This is a this is another kind of trope that you see coming up about... And it, I just recently read a cattle punk where Nitro was going through the same thing. BA is burned out on DMing. And, you know, he's racked his brain trying to come up with an adventure for tonight, but he just can't do it. So he's like, hey, let's just play some board games. What do you guys think? And, you know, I will say it's it's nice to see players like that are so into gaming that they would really genuinely be upset about yeah. this. Like, you know, I mean, because when you live in a world where it's like, you can barely get people to show up on a regular basis because people are so busy and everything. These guys are like, no, no, Batman, we want to play, yeah. you know? Yeah. So that's kind of cool. Although that, it makes me a, be a cry. That, that, for me, that's really the saving grace of the group, right? They yeah. can be crazy and do these. If that, but if they didn't really give a shit about the game, it, it will nobody, you know, I like, I wouldn't care about the group, you know, yeah. but the fact that they're so freaking invested in it, like they're mm -hmm. committed to it as crazy as the things that they do that they're, you know, that, that they're they, really, they still want to play. And, and yeah. the thing is like, like they care, you know, like yeah. they, they care about what's going on in the game. And, and it's not just about, it's not, I mean, it, a lot of it obviously is about killing shit and, you know, writing bigger numbers on their character sheet. But, but the, it seems like they really do care about that stuff. You know, like the, the, the stuff they have, there's a strip later on with B with, with, Dave, right? And I thought it's, just, I think it's just cool because a lot of times, you know, I don't know. It doesn't feel like it. It probably is. It's probably just, I don't know. Anyway. Well, like a Brian's little side comment, Sarah's like, he said he needs a break. Yeah, he needs a broken arm. Yeah. <laughs> well, Bob, Bob's like, I knew when you got that job, yeah. <laughs> it was going to interfere with my entertainment. Right. You'd be stretched too thin. Yeah. You can't, he has to be like a full-time game master in Bob's mind. He, he can't waste time on a job. Exactly. His job is to entertain Bob. <laughs> Hell, these days there are people that that's what they do. They run games and get paid to do it. Well, yeah, but they're getting paid to do it. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the point here. Bob doesn't pay yeah. PA Yeah. He's like, no, don't go out and get a job and make money. You're just, you have to, you have to entertain me, you know? Yeah. So, so they go back and forth a couple more minutes about him breaking the first rule, the DM's code of conduct and all that. And then Bob says, Hey, Dave's working on his own adventure. Yeah, well, BA is having a nervous breakdown at yeah. the table. Like, I'm just tired. I'm so tired. I, you know, I love the face, man. Like, you could you could just see him breaking down. He's just emotionally breaking down right there at the table. 
I like the never hold up the game. It's like the show must go on kind of mantra. Well, and Dave steps up. I get, and I give Dave a lot of credit, man. Cause first of all, running a run, run, cause I've been on that side of the table and I'm kind of a dick as a player, honestly. Like, you know, when you, when the DM gets a break and now they're running and you've only DM'd once or never, like, and you're going to run for the, like the guy that's been running games forever, plus Brian, plus Bob, plus, you know, Sarah, who's actually a power gamer. I give Dave a lot of credit for this. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Stepping in with that crowd for sure. It's like you said, he's got ACDC playing in his head at all times. <laughs> yeah. So he was ready for it. Well, I didn't say that. That's what the, or that, yeah, that's what the, said. But the, I, the, I thought yeah. that was like so accurate. I, I love how Dave's language kind of changes. He gets behind the screen eventually yeah. 30 minutes later and, and starts giving them the setup. And he says, you guys were like walking along a road. Yeah a real deserted road way out in some desert. And you meet this old guy, really old guy. <laughs> Sound like anyone? I think he has a beard and stuff. And he like talks to you and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Just the way he puts in those likes and the and stuff. It, you know, Dave doesn't really normally talk like that as much. And it seemed like it really changed when he became game master. Yeah. Well, in, in the, in the look on his face too, like he, he, he looks much more like, like I'm the man than usual. Yeah. Like something about his face just kind of made me laugh when I saw him, you know? Well, his, his eyebrows are a little bit like tilted inward. If you look at earlier panels, they're more rounded and, and these are more like sinister eyebrows. Like, 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 like he's in charge and he's going to, yep. yeah. Yeah. Almost like he's angry or something. Yep, yep. Yeah. <laughs> Very subtle change in the art. I, n- I never really noticed before. Uh, one thing that gets me here is they start out in the desert and B's like, I was hoping to, to go buy some stuff before we started traveling. And I'm like, how many players don't equip their characters before they go to the table? Well, and not only that, it's like, because I was thinking when, like, so so Dave agrees to, to Game Master, right? And he's a, uh, He's never done it before. They acknowledge that. They acknowledge his adventures. It's like, B.A., just chill the fuck out. Write your equipment down on your character sheet and move on. You know what I mean? But every everything in this is like they make it such a big deal. You know, like, Bob, what weather? We're in a desert. Well, I hate to tell you, Bob, there is weather in the desert. But, like, so he doesn't have everything figured out, man. Cut him some freaking slack. Even Sarah is kind of playing into it. There's something else that just jumped out at me on this page, too. I'm looking at the art for Dave before he gets behind the screen. And I don't know if you guys have talked about this before, but Dave, Dave's right shoulder kind of dips down instead of being rounded. Yeah. And that always bothered me so bad. So <laughs> when I started helping with Knights of the Dirt Table, I took one of the panels and I changed the art and I rounded out Dave's shoulder so it looked like a normal rounded shoulder. And I was like, you know, we'll, we're going to start using that. And as we go on, it'll be fixed eventually, right? And Jolly's like, no, I can't use that. You only fixed one panel. I've got hundreds of panels. <laughs> right? We can't change it. Because if I use your panel, it'll be jarring. It'll look one way in one panel, and then it'll look my way in another. And so <laughs> I tried to fix Dave's shoulder, but it didn't take. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. 
So as we go through issues, look, you guys should look for that. I think there may have been one or two panels where I actually got Dave's rounded shoulder. Oh, dude, now I'm going to be looking for this. Brian, you got to understand, like, like I probably go through this comics more closely than than all of us. Yeah, I've got I've got six pages of notes on this comic. <laughs> like, okay. I go through every detail I can to I'm definitely gonna find that if it's in there. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah, I just noticed they've only got three dice on the table. You're such well, a nitpicker. They're just getting started. Yeah. VA also complains that uh my guy's got seventeen intelligence. He wouldn't go off the desert with no armor, weapons, food, or water. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So just write it down. Yeah. Write it down, dude. Move on. Well, and Sarah, yeah, Sarah is problem solver and says, I have an extra dagger I can loan you and we can share food and water. You know, let's, let's get on with it. Yeah. So then they notice that this old dude has a half dozen pouches and he can tell by the way they bulge that they're stuffed full of coins. So of course, a, a person with money for players means, yeah, that's my money that they're holding on to. Bob's line, alignments be damned. <laughs> yeah. Like, where is, is their alignment met in, yeah. in any of this? That goes unsaid with every strip. Yeah, it's like it's like they would be, I think I even have a note on that later. Like they would be absolutely like chaotic evil. Yeah. You know? But that's fine. Dave Counter, sorry, as soon as you raise your crossbow, the old man's henchmen attack. Henchmen? Where'd they come from? Well, you guys obviously weren't paying attention. I said there were four henchmen accompanying him. You guys should have had your guard up. You know, this this is like I, I'm we've talked about this before. I'm sure I've ranted about it. About like game masters that don't describe everything that would like be obvious to anybody. And like this is something that you see every now and then in some of the old school guys, you know, like where they they want to be able to kill everybody so they're not very forthcoming with some information. <laughs> well, of course, a guy with pouches stuffed with coins would have henchmen. I mean, well, I didn't have to say that, did I? Exactly. That's obvious. <laughs> yeah. And then Dave, of course, will not back down. Not at right? all. Like, seriously, you weren't paying attention? I said it. He's not saying that they were there and they didn't know. He's saying he told them they were there. Yeah. yeah. You know, and he won't. he won't back down at all. I never thought I'd hear myself say this, but it's B.A. is fond of reminding us the Game Master is always right, so you better earn to pay attention. Yeah. Turn coat. <laughs> How quickly you shed the bond of brotherhood of players. And, and Sarah, Sarah, although normally she's quite hypocritical, she is pointing out here that they did force Dave into doing this, and they all seem to be forgetting that, you know, he's first-time Game Master, and they're a bunch of assholes, yeah. so. I like Brian's comment. There's nothing worse than DM for a day. This reminds me of a friend of mine. He bought a lawnmower off a guy, and it, it was a piece of crap. And he was like, never do business with... He, the guy he bought off was like a part-time preacher at a local church. He was like, never do business with a part-time preacher. <laughs> like, DM for a day. It's like, yeah, he's a part-time preacher, so he doesn't have to be you know, you know, Christian, like all the time and and do square dealings. You know, if he's not at the pulpit, then he can screw you on a lawnmower deal. Right. (laughs) DM for day has nothing invested long-term. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yep. 
a rare instance where we used the acronym DM instead of GM too. Yeah. Oh yeah. We tried to edit that out most of the time. Yeah, I noticed that slipped in a few spots on this one. So an hour later, they come to a sign that says dungeon, turn left. There's vendors and booths leading to the dungeon with all kinds of shops where they can buy stuff. Crazy Akmods. <laughs> Healing potions and medicinals. Haggling Barney's Magic Weapon Emporium. I like give it away, Carl. Yeah, give it away, Carl. Pre-generated dungeon maps. <laughs> like, what does that mean, pre-generated? <laughs> yeah. Know? And here's... This is here. Are they just made up or yeah, are they just mapped out? Yeah, like what does that yeah. mean pre-generated? I mean, yeah. In that context. You know, this this is something that's happened to me too, like when people have run games, is they tend to run they tend to run a game that they want as a player. Yeah. Not a game that a DM would actually run for players. You know, these, these so, are all vendors, as Dave describes it, booths and tents lined up along the trail leading to the dungeon. And then Bob says, what a cool and novel concept. This smacks of realism. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're all like selling magic items and stuff. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, uh, Brian wants to wonder if he can start a tab at the magic weapon emporium. Yeah. Which I'm sure he will be able to do, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like the, this is jolly again with this rule of threes, right? Crazy Ahmed, haggling Barney. Give it away, Carl. One, two, three. The roll of three when riding. Yep. It's yeah. He's 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 on point there. So they get to the dungeon, kick in the door. There's a ten by ten room. You see a really cool plus five sword, two thousand gold pieces, a ring invisibility, hidden rotting and rotting sack, and a pair of daggers with chain handles. So so they just saw all that, right? He saw all that hidden. Yeah. Yeah. Hidden in the rotting sack. But he didn't notice in the 10 by 10 room that there's also a guardian sunwear, a dragon. Yeah. Yeah. A dragon. That's like a hundred feet long or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. BA says 80 to how the hell can an 80 to a hundred foot long dragon fit into the room? You know, with only a five foot by eight foot door leading to and from it. But honestly, there were some older dungeons that were kind of yeah. like this. Yeah. Right. I mean, this this is not like a Dave thing. This was kind of common. Uh, it's poking fun at what really happened in a lot of early gaming adventures. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, of course, they're like, don't you think we would have noticed that? Oh, you're distracted by the treasure and didn't notice him. That's what I mean. They saw the they saw the ring of invisibility hidden in the sack, yeah. but they didn't see the dragon, right? Like, they're very perceptive. In the in the next page is like really where I was going at like like all of the treasure like one guy has plus five shield plus eight plate mail ring of fire protection braces of you know plus three hit and damage long sword like a ridiculous amount of magic and I'm not sure what Bob meant I I thought it was a funny statement but I'm not sure I remember where he says what were these guys doing in an empty room waiting for a bus? Like, <laughs> it was just these dudes with all this magic and treasure in a room. Yeah. You know, my favorite item on that list are the boots of high kicking. <laughs> it really makes me wonder what those do. <laughs> yeah. <does> mean? <laughs> Maybe you can yeah, that, go that's to porcelain and be one of the rockets. They're probably elven boots of some kind. I would, I would assume. Oh man, 
yeah, Sarah's like, hey, I'm going to have to make a trip back to Crazy Ahmed's. You want anything? And Brian's like, hey, a suicide pill. I can't take this much longer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and instead of. See, but that's, honestly, that's kind of the way it works. Like if players get too much of what they say they want. Like these guys say, this is exactly what they want. Put some monsters in a room, give us a lot of treasure and we'll be super happy. Dave is running this game the way he would want it written for him, you know, or run for him. You know what I mean? Like this is exactly what they say they want. But then when they actually get it, it's like, oh my God. It's like eating an entire chocolate cake in one sitting. You know? Yeah. yeah. It, well, it just loses all meaning. <laughs> That's a really good analogy. <laughs> you know? It's it's not special anymore at all. Yeah. yeah. You, you get so much chocolate cake, you're like, oh my God, not more chocolate cake. Right? Then the next panel, instead of 30 minutes later, an hour later, it's as the night drags on. <laughs> well, you get to the last room, and as you kick in the door, you find yourself back on the lonely road in the desert. The old man with the beard is standing before you. Yeah. Dude, I would flip the fucking table. I- I hate this trope, like in movies or if I'm playing. Turns out the whole adventure was an illusion. It's Roseanne. It's like Roseanne, right? Yeah. That whole thing. Yeah. Or where it was played to good effect, if you recall the season finale of the New Heart show. Oh, my God. That called back to his original show, where he wakes up in bed with with, uh, Suzanne Plachette after being in Vermont for like you know 10 years or whatever. I had a dream that I lived in Vermont and ran out some rooms that it is. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Now that was cool. But yeah. usually it's annoying, yeah. Like in Dallas. Oh Bobby, I dreamed you died. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well I, I played in a game where it was not exactly this, but um and it was another case. It was a it was a player running like a really short campaign to give me a break. And and she had we were searching for some sword, and then it turned out it was like right back at the very beginning of the whole adventure so like we never had to do any of it we could have just like walked down the street and (laughs) got it and and she thought that was so funny and so clever and we were like oh fuck you man (laughs) (laughs) like like, that was a waste of it wasn't that good anyway but (laughs) same idea though so the last panel is two minutes later and hey he's running pretty usual violence inherent in the system yep yeah, there's definitely some implied violence here that you know, they're going to work Dave yeah, over. It wasn't my yeah. idea to give him a five-minute head start. And even Sarah, well, you don't condone violence. I see it as my responsibility that Dave never find <laughs> the screen again. Even B.A. wants to kick yeah. his ass, you know? And then Brian, well, he's not going anywhere. My little trip to the can provided the perfect opportunity to let the air out of his tires. So Brian premeditated this situation. He knew <laughs> you know, he knew it was coming. <laughs> he's, like, he's like like an hour and a half ago when he wants to take a suicide pill. He's like, I got a better idea. Yeah. yeah. Cool. The next page is an ad for next issue number nine. Two, two dice for Sister Sarah. And I I don't know if I've ever seen the movie, but I guess that's a play on the title of the movie, Two Mules for Sister yep. Sarah. Yeah, it's a Clint Eastwood movie. Yep. Yeah. Spaghetti Western, I and think. It's obvious, I obvious right. that uh, B.A. is Clint Eastwood. He's a pretty convincing Clint Eastwood there. <laughs> yeah, he looks like more of a badass than he normally does. Yeah. So then the next two pages, 
There's an article about Weird Pete himself, the man behind the counter. This is a this is a pretty rare thing, though. Yeah, um, I don't think Jolly's done a lot of character analysis like this, but it's like a it's like a two page bio almost of Pete and his personality. Yep. You know, probably too d- detailed. I mean, it's to go into here, but it is it's a pretty rare thing that he did. <laughs> with this you know I, I i did actually read some of it i read all of it just quickly um but the thing that the thing that i love about these things when jolly writes and not not just like the stuff that he writes out but like uh, like the ads little ads and things is i'm reading them and i a, a lot of times i don't know if he's making some of this shit up or not because it's funny and it's satirical like the names of games and things like Newsies, the role-playing game of newspaper route wars in suburban America, or or where he says down near the bottom, retrieving old yellow copies of you know flaming dice and battle-hardened lead. Are those are those real? Like those could really ki- kind of be real little fanzines or newsletters or whatever. No, you no, know? he he makes all that stuff up. I know, but it's so good that you're like, is it? Wait a minute, is it like the the journal of the Delaware County Gaming Society, right? Like it's just so. Although he does reference Rise and Fall of the Third Reich, which I think is a real game. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, is nowadays it's... there are some games with some weird ass titles like these, right? Yeah, I mean, so like at the down near the bottom of the of the first page of it, you know, play tested his first original work, Ant Colony X forty seven sixty three Z. I mean. Is that a real game? <laughs> is that a board game or it sounds cool though? Red oh. ants against black ants. Well, and it seems like like that actually might be a pretty cool game. I could see somebody writing a game like that today, like nowadays. You know, where yeah, the billion. Right. And then there's a couple of gaming company names here. One called Get On With It Games. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Three Dog Nights. <laughs> We're working on our. Publishing Pete's latest game design, Lynch Mob, miniature rules for social reprisals and uprisings. Dude, we we had a whole conversation uh, yeah. about that game yeah. earlier. And they even here mentioned Hackmasters of Evernight, which became a uh, a short comic series as well. I think it yep. had ten issues. We we might uh, I, oh a real a real Kenzerko release. Yes, yes, about. yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, the, I just, I could just see like someone reading this deadpan and just not knowing for sure. Like, yes. is it, is he making this up or is this real? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even for somebody who's in gaming might be a little bit like, wait, what? I've never heard of that. That's yeah. Like- I, I need to look up Lynch mob. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I, where can I get that? So it's anyway, not coming I, up on the Wikipedia page. Pete had some shares in hard eight enterprises and sold them. Five days before Hackmaster first edition came out. Oh man. <laughs> I I think that I think that's in the who's who too. I think that's one of the who's yeah. who kind of factoids. So yeah, I I th- I read this and I was kind of laughing as I went, but there was so much in it, like I didn't even know what to right. like what to highlight, you know. And there have been later I guess thumbnail descriptions of characters, a paragraph or two, but this one I think was way more detailed and probably had to be boiled down when he did that same treatment with lots of the other characters. Yeah. 
Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, are there, are there more like this though in like future issues? I mean, there's, there'll be, like I said, a paragraph or two describing the characters that I think appeared probably in bundle of trouble one. Well, they're in, they're in this, there's a, there's a who's who at the back of this issue. Okay. Yeah. So the, the short ones, but does he do, does he do any more long ones like this? Cause I haven't read the really old issues. I'm not reading them on purpose. Yeah. You know, no, you're right. The, the who's who is in the back here and there's just a brief paragraph about Pete. I don't recall him ever doing a detailed write up like that. Anyone else, but yeah. yeah, I guess as we keep going through the issues, we'll see. Yeah. yeah. This is the funny thing is this is under the tales from the table, which now is kind of a, like a true tales from the table. Yeah. It evolved into people right. telling their funny stories. I really thought he was talking about like who weird Pete was inspired by or something. Right. Because it was tales from the table. And when you start reading it, it like, yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah especially when the yeah. first game he mentions is a real game. Rise and fall of the third. Yeah. Right. It sounds like it could be true. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So it kind of tricked me at first. And then, uh, yeah. Wait, you know, right. You're saying that all these stories in his comics are reading are not actual fact. They're based on real events. <laughs> loosely based. <laughs> oh, not even loosely in some cases. <laughs> All right, so the next strip, Balance of Terror. This is where the group gets their first henchman. Sarah's Ranger gets 10th level, and she gets a young warrior named Gilead. So... Is this the first Gilead? This is the first Gilead, yep, as we whom we've discussed in uh, yeah, the Bag Wars episode. She attains his service and he goes on to become a very famous and very important character. And very hated. Yeah. Very <laughs> hated by the by the knights or yeah. by the untouchable trio. I keep getting confused about because we did Bag Wars. And Bag Wars jumps ahead and then comes back. So I keep yeah. getting confused about, oh, wait, have we seen this already in the regular issues or, you know, in, in Bag Wars? Because Gilead is in Bag Wars a lot. At yeah. least he's talked about a lot, I guess. I, I mean, I, I don't know how many issues it went on, but he obviously evolved a lot as a character. This is where he just comes in as a fifth level guy who's attracted to Sarah's characters. What is it? Serena, the Ranger, her fame and valor. Yep. <laughs> of course, Bob and Dan were really like, oh, we ain't got no use for that. By the time you, you equip them, feed them, they'll soak you completely dry. And then Brian just makes the offhand comment that I've never had use for one myself, but he doesn't specifically object to it. You know what's funny is it seems like in an awful lot of the strips, at least the earlier ones, um, they wind up with an army of some kind or they're, they have an army of some yeah. kind. Like they, they, they seemed like they always have a bunch of hirelings and henchmen around, but in here. And, and once again, it's like, well, wait a minute, was that just in bag wars that I'm thinking of that? And they didn't, they didn't actually have that in the earlier issues. Maybe this is the first time it's coming up where they're. Yeah, you're right. I mean, they all seem very opposed to having henchmen and hirelings around because they suck up resources and you can't trust them. But I guess they, they evolve as players and <laughs> yeah. do have uses. Yeah. Right. Uh, they do. Uh, Brian does mention Nobbyfoot here and, and has him explain to Gilead what happens to uh, in-party thieves, slackers, and shirkers. 
Well, that's what happened to the princess they rescued, yep. right? Yep. <laughs> she was shirking or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, he's calling back to that a call for heroes where Nobby Foot kills the troll and then they end up torching the town. Yeah. And uh Bob's like, just remember the rule, henchmen don't get shares, experience, or treasure unless they contribute to the success of the party. And keep him out of my way. I don't want to trip on him every time it's time to hack. Yeah. Calm down, monkey boy. Yeah. They're 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 really they're really aggressive with each other in this strip. I've noticed that too, because like Sarah calls Bob monkey boy. I think in one of the earlier strips, somebody calls him cue ball. Oh yeah, she yeah. does that several times in the early issues. Kind of, kind of mean to each other in these days. Yeah, and, and, and that's that contract, because later, it's not as bad. I don't think they're quite as aggressive usually. And also in Bag Wars, they were all teamed up. So yeah. we're kind of going back to the original where they were they were really pretty, pretty insulting to each other, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, so they, so they get in a fight, and Sarah wants to heal Gilead. And this this frame in the beginning of the next one, bottom of the bottom of this page, and then the beginning of the next one, where she's giving him healing potions, which I get. I mean, even if you're being cynical, right? A henchman is still absorbing damage that you would take. But she says that she that they have sworn a blood oath to protect each other. And I'm like, what did they get? They get is she her his employer or is she like <laughs> they married like? Well, he's a, he's a loyal henchman, right? So he's the the way he's introduced, he's he's already described as being yeah, loyal to her and yeah, but like a blood oath. It's just funny like the the terminology of a blood oath for each other for between right. a man well, and he's getting into it and trying to defend why she has such an interest in him, I guess. Yeah, even Brian comments well, right away, gee, you guys have sure gotten chummy. Yeah. We we didn't really see that action covered in the strip, but I guess there ha- there are some phrases saying later that night and so forth. So you know maybe I don't know if she set BA aside and said we do this, or if she did it in game and had to remind everybody that she did it. Passed BA ninja note, right? So an hour later, they're searching for the uh, dungeon's entrance through the the uh, dense thicket, and Gilead is the one that finds it. Of course, the golden child. And Sarah immediately ch- chimes in. Looks like he just contributed to the success. He now qualifies for equal shares of experience and treasure. Just wanted to point that out. Just wanted to stir the pot. Of course, Bob's like, what? Nobody asked that little brown over to help. And Dave's going to form a formal protest. Yeah, to who? Yeah, exactly. They're going to take him to, well, they might. There is a Hackmaster Players Association, right? Brian pipes in. Hey, I'm afraid the rolls back her up. So, he- yeah, Brian is surprisingly easygoing about this. Honestly, in the next frame, he says, "You know, oh wait, no, no." There was another one where he says something like, "You know, if you cared that much, you can have your 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 guy." You know, doesn't doesn't. So basically, the last panel on this page, they decide to leave him out to guard the mules. Sarah's upset about it, but she concedes. Yeah. Yeah, and Brian just has the small comment. Just make sure he stays out of my saddlebags. And it only takes him ten minutes <laughs> into the dungeon <laughs> to get into trouble. So 
BA's like, you hear a metallic snap followed by a whooshing and enormous explosion. You are all knocked out cold by the force of the blast. This place is crawling with nasties. These guys got messed up pretty bad, yeah. pretty quick, considering that they've taken on whole towns and castles yeah. in 10 minutes. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> yeah. 10 minutes in, one trap. Then uh, Dave immediately starts blaming Bob for the whole thing. Your boneheaded thief just did us in. Yeah. Well, they always fight like that, right? I, I think the funniest thing on this page is when Gilead walks in and picks up Sarah and takes her out. Yeah. Everybody else, yeah. Lying yeah. Yeah. Of course, That's Bob great. takes credit. Oh, thank God I had the foresight to leave him behind in reserve. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That was the plan the whole time, right? Right. So, like you said, uh, he leaves everybody else there. They wake up later completely stripped naked with pixie body rooms of shame and dishonor painted all over them. Yeah, that, that's the thing. I mean, Gilead didn't just go in, and and Jolly is the best. He's he's the best at like taking taking something that's kind of funny and a little bit like like a bad behavior, and then amping the bad behavior up to like eleven. You know what I mean? Yeah, and making it the most insulting, the most like you know. That's why I like Johnny Kaczynski because he takes Johnny Kaczynski to twelve. I and mean, yeah, like so he comes in and it's like he doesn't just pick up Sarah first and take her out. And then go back and get him or whatever. He takes her out, makes her dinner, builds a, a litter, and takes her to town. And like, you know, like f those guys. I don't even get. Yeah. yeah. And then you know they wake up and they're not just missing their stuff. They're totally nude. Like whoever ransacked them took every yeah. scrap of clothing they had to maximize the the insult. And it's a and pixie. You're you're right. There's. There's ruins on them from pixies. <laughs> like the wimpiest monster you could possibly imagine. And it and it took all their stuff and shamed them. That's great. Hey, pixies can cast spells, man. They're tough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When I think of like a brutal, hor- horrible monster that you could say, yeah, it beat me, but it was okay. Yeah. It's, it's right. Not a pixie. Boogers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Something big and mean. So the following week, all right, you've, you're re-equipped and ready to head back to the dungeon. Whoa, whoa, hold on there, Flick. I want to recruit some hirelings, a squire and two bodyguards. Yeah, and I'm hiring four bodyguards, a field medic, and a bard to write my personal memoirs and record my heroic exploits. Now they all have a ridiculous number of uh, personal medics. Brian hires a scroll caddy. So, so now when... When in the next frame, when Bob's hireling, who's suddenly super, super loyal to him, jumps in front of a dragon's breath, look at Dave's face, man. Like the sarcasm, the sarcasm dripping off of Dave in that is just a a work of art. What a beautiful, selfless act of bravery. Yeah. Yeah. He's holding back tears. Yeah. And his face is just so perfect for it, you know? And I think I think we've heard this name before, Madman Willie, or I think maybe it comes back again. The, the, yeah, that's the squire. The cool the cool NPC names like Dirty Jake. Oh, that's a cattle punk, but yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah, I think this might be one of the first times Brian introduced the concept of a scroll cat. Yeah, too. I think so oh, pretty yeah. unique, Jackmaster. Yeah. 
And I think we eventually ended up making a miniature of, for a scroll caddy. I believe I have it. <laughs> uh, I I know I've got a pack ape, but I think I've got a scroll caddy too. Of course. Oh, so Sarah is, is doubting that this guy would sacrifice himself because he only met an hour ago. And then Brian says it's called the charm spell of undying devotion, baby. It's only 500 gold pieces. <laughs> I'm always amazed at how powerful some of these spells are. Like, yeah. Like, I mean, in regular D and D a dominate spell like that is like a fifth level spell where you can force somebody to do something that would kill them. You know? Yeah. Um, they, they're always coming. Like there are, there's a bunch of stuff when they have an army about how many potions they can create and like they'll brew potions in a vat to keep the army under control or something. <laughs> yeah. The, the last panel here uh, it says that scrawled in blood on the door, danger, many traps. And here's uh, where Bob again describes his hirelings. Okay, Madman Willie, Dirty Jake. Dirty Jake. Eddie. Eddie. There's that rule of three again. Yeah. We'll enter the room and check things out. I'm going to ready my healing potion IV drip <laughs> while I wait. <laughs> now, is he readying it for himself or for them? Probably, probably himself. Probably for himself. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, but there's those classic names, Ferret Face Eddie. Of course, Dave's like, "Hey, no sense in you taking all the risk. I'll send Bootstrap Harry and my boys to back him up." You know, why? Why do you guys think they did this? Why do you think they got all these? I I kind of had a theory that they they figured if they had a bunch of henchmen who got shares of treasure and magic items, that they could somehow take them from them. So they were like trying to get a bigger share of all the stuff. Well, I, no, I think I think after they saw what Gilead did saving Sarah, they were like, hey, I want guys in my corner. That's why they got these personal medics, the bodyguards. They're like, it's it's an insurance policy. You know, like, uh, yeah, yeah, I can see that, too. But like Dave's awfully sarcastic about it. Like it's like it's, cynical. <laughs> you know, like it's kind of a cynical thing. But I, I think he's sincere, honestly. I, I don't, <laughs> yeah, that's how I took it. I don't it think Dave has or sarcasm. What a beautiful, selfless act of bravery. Yeah. You think yeah. Oh, I totally think he's sincere there. Dave hasn't evolved enough as a character to, to say that sarcastically <laughs> at this point. Oh, that's even worse, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I think I think it was just like a couple of I I where we were asked who our favorite characters are, and and I said Dave because he's just He's he does bad stuff sometimes, but he's not there. He's not malicious like in any way. He's just there with being Dave. He's sort of the the quote unquote dumb one of the group, you know, the mim the mimbo, the man bimbo. Yeah. <laughs> so I think he's sincere there. Or Sarah objects how they're treating him and Prine's comment cracks me up. Yeah, they're just NPCs living boring NPC lives. We're giving them something to tell their children about. Like any of them live long enough to have children. No, no, no. That's Brian role playing again, right? Brian yeah. role playing in his head, like yeah. that doesn't match the actual actions at the table. <laughs> Boring NPC lives. Yeah, he's the good guy. He's <laughs> he's like he's lawful good, probably. Oh yeah, he's doing him a favor. So one week later, you guys ready to head to the yeah, dungeon? They've got an army. Yeah. This is where I got the army. And your senior squad leader reports 75 men are present, five are in the box, four on sick call, and two are AWOL. 
So five of their hirelings did something that had to be punished by putting them in the box. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and of course we find out here pretty soon well, that that's almost nothing. That They've got hundreds of people now. Like there's, that's a senior squad leader is reporting. So they've got like a whole army now. Uh, five out of 75 men. They basically brought an army to raid the dungeon. Yep. Then, uh, Bob comments, I got a few on sick call. Well, we're putting them in the box and I'll force them to pummel each other's senseless with blunt weapons first. <laughs> that'll teach them to go on sick call, right? Yeah. That'll, yeah. Or as he puts it, that should spark a little health and welfare in camp. <laughs> well, in, in the next frame, go ahead, George. Dude, that was so cool. Remember the movie Peg where he was slaps the soldier at the battle fatigue in the field hospital? He totally misses the point that that was like a really bad thing. To yeah, do. he lost you a know? star for that. Yeah. Well, leadership must ruin the family. When I read the ne- Bob's line there, I I thought I had read like he was a captain in the National Guard, but no, he's a leader, and it runs in the family because he has an uncle who's in the National Guard. Like no yeah. leadership, yeah. anything. <laughs> he just, right. He's in the National Guard. He could be a private. But yeah, yeah, like it, like he's just a guy. Like, that, right. that, but Bob's going to use that as a as a reference point for his own leadership prowess. Yep. So another few weeks later, they force marched the entire army to the dungeon entrance, but it's so heavily forced that they don't have room for the thirty odd supply wagons in the convoy, let alone five hundred and fifty pup tents. Pup tents. So they've got at least. 550, probably two to a tent, yep. maybe 1,100 troops at the dungeon. <laughs> and, and, you know, we, there's a guy, Brian, who writes in, like, he writes a lot into the show. He's a, he's a sergeant in the army. And he, he, he verified some of my math from Bag Wars about, like, how much stuff you need to move an army of 500 or a thousand men like any distance and it's not it's a lot more than 30 wagons <laughs> you know what i mean like we we kind of teased jolly a little bit about some of his estimating like yeah. when he estimated that a dragon lived in a cave that was seventy five thousand square or cubic feet or something like that and it's like it's a pretty small cave <laughs> you know dave comments that they're going to start clearing an area because he had bootstrap hairy pick up 200 axes how many towns are going to have 200 axes ready to be sold? Yeah. <laughs> ready to buy. Yeah. Holy cow. Hey, it's in the, it's in the Hackmaster player's guide. So this is, this that is, that means a, you can buy as many as you want. I mean, it's yeah. the same as this, what happened with pack of doom, right? You get like a thousand pit bulls or whatever. Well, well, all of it. I mean, they seem to go into a town and like requisition hundreds of men. Yeah. You know, like there's just, the stuff is just all sitting there. On the next page, is that Sergeant Berenger? I think that's the first appearance of Sergeant Berenger. Because yeah. I couldn't remember if the very first Bag Wars strip was earlier than this. Well, the very first one was like issue four, where they fight the dragon. But but I think the first real, I think it was issue 14. So this is it. Yep. It's, it's hard to tell from the Bag Wars trade paperback, right? Because that's like its own encapsulated stories. And it's got some new stuff added in there. Well, we kept right. jumping back and forth. Yeah. So like the continuity kind of gets confusing for 
for me. The 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 great part though is there's a rebellion, and it sounds like Beringer is bringing news of the rebellion to them. Right. But I love how Brian immediately is worried about dissension being somewhat (laughs) contagious, not even like really like somewhat contagious. So he just murders his spell caddy. So the guy did nothing wrong, but he's worried that he's going to rebel because it, because it can be somewhat contagious. (laughs) That is pretty hilarious. (laughs) And then, and then, and then Gilead comes back to uh, finish it off. Right. Like he hangs them, all of them except Sarah. It's kind of a reflection of what happened earlier yep. in the dungeon. Why? Why was Sarah green? I mean, she started this whole mess. What happened to my plea bargain? I gave them all the dirt on Bob and Brian. Yeah, yeah this is this is pretty amazing here. So Beringer ends up hanging the untouchable trio, and it's implied that their characters are killed here, except for Sarah. Well, I think it's Gilead. Gilead is hanging. Gilead, Gilead, yeah, not- Gil- and and I that's I wasn't sure. Does that mean that? I mean, Gilead isn't really anybody yet, other than just her henchmen. So, so Gilead is hanging these guys, and it's they're gonna die. And Sarah is standing there, just okay with her henchmen murdering the rest of the party. <laughs> right. Th- yeah. This is weird because the whole strip is really about all these new guys that they brought in and Sergeant Berenger and all these other names. And then suddenly the last panel of Gilead is involved in meeting out justice for the, the, the common soldier. Like he's the, like he's the ringleader, you know? Yeah. Cause he was like the first hireling yep. in the group. They probably look up to him. Yeah. And, and Sarah's laughing about it. Yeah. 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 I'll put flowers on your graves and whenever I use your stuff, yeah. I'll think of you. So she took all their stuff. Yeah. So that's interesting. I I don't. So their characters are killed here, which obviously mean unless Sarah kept all the hirings, the the band disperses, right? I I don't remember how Beringer gets involved with the group again, yeah. or if Jolly just glossed over that. Well, I think he gets hired as a mercenary, as a mercenary okay. captain. Yeah. Yeah. So he's still a character in the area and then they have new characters that come in or resurrected characters and they start working with them again. You know, that's an interesting thought. Like I, I mean, this could be the beginning of Behringer's mercenary company. Yeah. It sure looks like it, you know? And then, and then it later on, it's different characters. So it's not like it's the same people that they rebelled against. Of course, right. it would make me wonder why they didn't rebel in, in the, uh, in bag wars because they put him through some pretty bad stuff but yeah yeah so i I looked up the so the 20 years of covers book again freaking fantastic and it is issue 14 is you don't see behringer again until issue 14 and it's the behringer's rebellion and that whole arc and i think it i think it dominates a lot of the of that issue the issue 14 so Cool. Yeah, and that's where they're using them to hunt, hunt the dragon, and they find the bag and they put them in the bag, right? Like that whole, yeah, yeah. yep. All right, cool. Mm-hmm. 
Do you need information about a 40-year-old game now? Then you need to listen to the Save for Half podcast, the podcast dedicated to talking about some of the oldest games out there. We make sure that you get your old-school gaming information piping hot in under an hour or your money back. Old School Gaming is a division of Old Men Screaming at Clouds. Old Men Screaming at Clouds is an affiliate company of old ladies talking to cats and wholly owned by the Mud Puppy Games Network. With over 175 products, the family-owned and operated Black Oak Workshop's thematic and innovative designs will jazz up your game. Black Oak Workshop, official dice maker for Radio Free Muncie, home of the original adventure calendar, Black Oak Workshop, where dice are treasure. So the next strip is just a one pager called April Fools. Well, I know I know we're running a little bit long, but I just wanted to point out that the readership test has some really good jokes. Oh yeah, like yeah. even down in the answers, like it's really yeah. Good. oh yeah, all the <laughs> blackjack Bob's blowout tire special or special tire center, like have the Earth Dawn tattoo, and then um, pay off the overdue charges at the local library for the time you cut Marsha goes to cheerleader camp for. <laughs> What kind of library? Have is the that Earth now? Dawn tattoo removed from your butt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's pretty funny. The, and, the, and the answers are, are little jokes, too. So. Oh, yeah. This, uh, yeah. A, wrong. Motel Chester was closed down when it was discovered that sanitary <laughs> wrappers were being reused. That's pretty funny. Keep the tattoo. There's nothing to be ashamed yep. of. Cool. We got two more strips yep. to go. So this April Fools is just a one pager where uh, Dave uh, decides to kill this beggar, and BA tells him as the beggar dies in his pool of blood, he he curses you, and his the Hackmaster Plus Twelve shatters into fine particles and is blown away by the wind. And you know it's serious as soon as you see it because it's a straight on shot of BA pointing With at the it. hand. Yeah. With the hand, right? The, hand the gigantic. Shot, yeah. Uh, my f- my favorite line is this is in the last panel. Dave hits the floor, and Bob he fainted. I haven't seen him do that since they canceled Night Rider. <laughs> Night Rider, yup. Yeah. So so Dave loves that sword so much that when BA tells him it 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 shattered, he literally passes out. He faints. Yeah. And and the first thing I thought when I read this, I'm like. Man, I wonder if every beggar in his campaign can do that, or just just the one. <laughs> so for once, Dave got picked on instead of Bob. Yeah, it's usually Bob getting the brunt of it. Well, I don't think he was expecting him to faint. Yeah, no. <laughs> and that brings us to the last full strip of the comic, an orc too far, where BA pulls out his uh, orcs at the gate book again. Oh yeah. The Southern Orc League. And it's like they're a football team or something. <laughs> From Blood Bowl. You, you know, BA makes the exact same mistake here. He puts them, he literally puts them in the exact same yep. position of having to, you know, submit to an Orc King. Well, king. 
it's not even submission in this case. It's just he's welcoming them in friendship, and they're you know like he's, these guys are orcs. We're supposed to kill them. Well, and they've got an expensive chair, right? So that yeah. makes it okay to a kill jade them throne. Oh, I got dibs on the throne. <laughs> right. I, I love Brian's line here. I'll be teaching these orc savages the repercussions of poor fire. <laughs> I mean, it's their, it's clearly their fault, right? Like, yeah. right. It's their fault. They have a bunch of money in flammable houses. <laughs> I'm lobbing a fireball shower into those grass huts. And, and this guy has a, a jade throne. They're going to steal, but everybody's living in grass huts. It's kind of a, wait yeah. a minute. What are the, are these guys powerful? I don't know. I think this might be a typo. It looks like like the like maybe there was going to be a slightly different line in the second frame there. It says, "Why in the hell would you attack the king of the Southern Orc League when the idiot is greeting you in peace?" So is BA saying the guy's an idiot for trusting them, which would be a kind of a weird thing, or was he was was that line originally like you idiots are attacking the king of the Southern Orc League? Why in the hell would you idiot? Yeah, I don't know. That is kind of weird. It it doesn't seem like a typo because it, I don't know what else he could be trying to spell. Yeah. Just if the word's just out of place, the sentence doesn't make sense. Right. I guess the guy's an idiot for trusting them. Yeah. I, I BA never really talks about his NPCs or anything like that though. You know what I mean? He calls the players idiots all the time. Well, but. maybe the, the warlord is an idiot. Perhaps you've forgotten. There are 35,000 warriors in the Southern Orc League militia. And you need to remember that number. Yeah. You need to remember 35,000 orcs. And then Bob and Dave, oh my God, what were we thinking? Yeah. We're bigger than this. You know how many experience points these orcs are worth? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Brian does the math. Assuming the average orc has 10 hit points, we're easily talking about 350,000 experience points, not even counting treasure or equipment. Yeah. But that's all they see. Out of the whole thing, it's like, Let's just kill all these guys and get experience points. Right. <laughs> you know, I like that. And, and the number is not int- intimidating at all. Yeah. No. Oh, no. Uh, 35,000. They're probably going to line were, up so we can kill them three at a time. You know? Yeah. They were excited about it. And an hour later, Bob's running up the temple steps, fleeing from orc guards. When the high priest, Octang, emerges, surprising you, Cole cocks you, knocking you into a large festering cesspool. That is pretty uh, funny. More here becomes a very important recurring character yes. again. Yeah, yeah, this is first. First, it, it, uh, and that, that I was going to say that's like what we expect with BA and Bob, like BA going after Bob. And yeah, Bobby kind of says, ways. Why are you always picking on me? Yeah, then Dave, not only that, but an orc cesspool. Yeah, <laughs> he fell in a cesspool, and what's worse, it's from orcs. Wow. There's always that little extra jab from uh, from BA to the characters through via Jolly. <laughs> and, and especially Bob. Yeah. Like we've been kind of tracking that. Bob gets it. Like that oh, really man. humiliating stuff. When you get to the part where uh, his dwarf loses his leg, that was really brutal. <laughs> we, we really, <laughs> I don't know, it was in like issue 40 or something. We really questioned if we were getting too serious with that storyline and being too hard on Bob. <laughs> but I think we, we pushed the envelope as far as it would go. Uh, I like a yeah. little uh, comments from Sarah and Brian here, followed by the first one on the next page where Sarah's like, I don't know who this guy is, but I like him. 
Uh, he's a 15th level half orc mage cleric. His radical teachings brought the formation of the Southern Orc League, which is like, yeah. How the hell would you know that unless you've read the adventure? Chill out. I may have looked through it, but I definitely didn't read it. <laughs> I would be, yeah. I would be looking furious, yeah, about something like that as a as a game master. Like I would be so pissed yeah. off. So over the next few uh, pages, they end up taking out the rest of the orcs. Forty minutes later, it's consumed in flames with spires of smoke, and Brian's fireball obliterates the orc temple. And then Brian's like, "Wait a second. According to my talent, we've only amassed three hundred forty nine nine hundred ninety nine kills. There's still one more orc. Wait, wait a minute. How many? How many orcs were there? Yeah, there's. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it was three hundred and fifty thousand experience points. Yeah, but there were thirty five thousand orcs. <laughs> well, you know, I'm sure there's young and non combatants. Yeah. Uh, don't let them off. The hook. <laughs> <laughs> we're not letting Jolly off. The hook. They slaughtered hundreds of thousands of <laughs> orc kids, <laughs> and that's the thing. And they did this in just like. 40 minutes, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, I mean, so uh, somehow this campaign that BA is running funneled 35,000 or 350,000 orcs right to these guys so they could just murder them all. Well, yeah, BA describes it as an orc metropolis that's consumed with flames. Yeah, with grass huts. <laughs> I mean, in a modern war with like bombers bombing a city, you would be hard pressed to kill. 35,000 people in a, in a city, right. you know? What's weird, too, in the, the panel just before that one, Dave gets turned into a jelly-banded newt yep. by the high priest Octang, and that's kind of a joke in itself, but then 40 minutes later, he's saying, I'll be searching around for any more wagons so we can load up on the loot. So I don't know if he's doing that as a jelly-banded newt or somehow they just drugged off that, yeah. that polymorph spell. But when they discover nope. there's one orc missing, Sarah's like, uh-oh, I'm getting Octane from his hiding place and putting him on my horse and tell him to ride for his life. And, and just, just one more thing about these guys. Like, B.A. describes it. The fireball ob obliterated the orc temple where the last survivors had fled for safety when you refused to honor their flag of truce. Right? Alignment yeah. be damned. Just Alignment be damned. <laughs> They're probably all lawful good. Well, I mean, they are orcs. Yeah. You know, this is a lot less worse than the the king's uh, guard. King. Yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely. <laughs> Although, yeah, the they, they BA tries to make a point how civilized they are. Of course, they uh, start accusing Sarah of treason for aiding and abetting an orc. To which she replies, my patron god demands I protect all clergy regardless of faith. You know, I don't think there's ever been a religion in the history of the world that had a thing like that. <laughs> that seems like a very, for a lawful good god, like, oh, so if it's like the god of sacrificing small kids, it's okay. You got to like get along with them. You oh, know? the clerk, I the think, clerk of the vice sword, you best, best keep him safe. I think, I think Sarah made this up. I think Sarah yeah, made that right. up. Well, Dave's line is funny too, though. You you call yourself lawful good? What a joke! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. this guy, <laughs> and he's mad. Look at his face; he's mad. Like that's from the heart. Like he thinks yeah. he's making a legitimate argument. <laughs> so Bob and Dave give pursuit, and they figure out that 
the horse's oats were laced with a haste potion, so Brian decides to let him get away and not think too much of it. But Brian and Dave just won't let it go. They're not going to let it go. And and like I said, this is like, if I really want to piss off players, this is what I do. I have a, I have mo- a monster that's kind of personal and it does something to them. It defeats them, breaks a magic item, like whatever. And then I have it get away and they hate it. Like they, they would, they want to hunt that dude to the ends of the earth. Yeah. So after Brian's uh, says he's content to let him go, be is ready to pack it up for the night till next week. But Bob and Dave are like, hell no. Just because those two have gone taco soft doesn't mean we're finished. This is personal. We're going to get him. <laughs> taco soft. They're not going to let him go, man. You just took an $89 investment, a campaign designed to provide months of play, and reduced it to trash in less than three hours. Yeah, so so BA made it so that every orc in that campaign setting could show up for them to kill him in three hours. Yeah. yeah. All right, 40 minutes later, they met BA's like, all right, you managed to trap the orc high priest in a box canyon. Dave's worried it could be a trap. The trap that he's worried about is a decapitation trap in a roadside latrine. And the first thing that came to my mind is where, where was the trap and where was he putting his head? Yeah. You know what I mean? And and was this like a rest stop for the modern, for the medieval times where you could stop off and use an outhouse along the road? Yeah. Yeah. What's a roadside latrine? Like, you know. This is, uh, and Sarah says, he, you've caught up with him four times and he keeps outsmarting you. So there's a lot of action skipped over in that 40 minutes. Oh, yeah. yeah. And she's goading him. She, she's like got her bag of popcorn out because she's saying this just to make him keep going, you know? We're tracking him through the canyon. Bob's got his crossbow out with plus six bolts of despair. <laughs> Even Brian is. admits he's a worthy adversary and wished he'd join in in the chase now. Yeah. So uh, Octane reveals himself up from the rim and casts transmute rock to lava. Now you see, this is th- this is the thing. Like BA could do something like this to them, like so many times, but he never does. This is like the only time he's like, "Okay, guys, I'm just gonna kill you." Well, you know? yeah. B.A. says, you suddenly find yourself swimming in hot molten goo. Your last pathetic thoughts are, B.A. was right. We should have called him that. (laughs) (laughs) And of course, Bob is like, wait a minute. I have a bonus to swimming. Yeah. Right. Regardless that it's lava, he's trying to uh, argue that he ought to be able to swim in it. Dave's wearing leather armor. Did you take that into account? That reminds me back around two. 2000 to 2005 there was a free product called out about lava rules that were good for any system and it's just one sentence you fall in lava you die no saving throw and yeah. they give different examples well, Brian, for different systems and how how the gm would describe it and all that and <laughs> brian's last oh, line yeah. here is so telling yeah. it's sort of a zinger he says, I don't remember reading about a box canyon in this adventure. You mean the one he only skimmed at Weird Pete's? So he admits that he read it. Yeah, a lot of times he gets the punchline at the end. That's a good one. All right, guys, that is awesome. I appreciate you joining us. Thanks for listening to Radio Free Muncie. If you have a comment, 
You can leave it at our anchor site, or you can email us at radiofreemuncie at gmail.com. See you next time.